Welcome, friends, to Opening Life Podcast. We are so excited to have a special guest who's a friend of mine that I got to know some years ago during some visits to the San Francisco Bay Area. His name is Greg Enrico, and he is the drummer of the historic band Sly and the Family Stone, a hero to musicians all over the world, including me, not only because he's a member of the Rock Hall of Fame, he's in the Hall of Fame of all-time greatest grooves that have ever existed in any music, laying down the beat with Larry Graham and brothers and sisters in Sly and the Family Stone. Man, you're still grooving, right? Um, you know, I'm blessed to have had all this time so far on this planet and uh, and still be able to perform and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's funny because, uh, well, especially drumming, if you're really bringing it to the stage, you know, it's a very physical thing also. Right. Like if I was a football player, yeah, most of them are done. A little right. after 40 years old, you're done. Right. Right. I couldn't imagine being in that world. I still get to play drums, you know, sure. I, I love it. I'm just blessed to still keep in shape and very active. I keep all the parts moving so <laughs> I could still do this. Summer of Soul film released mm -hmm. last year with fantastic footage of Sly and the Family Stone. I was also watching some videos today, including the historic appearance you guys made on the Ed Sullivan show? We did it three times. Three, okay. When I saw you guys did kind of a medley where yeah. you, you played continuously through some different tunes, you had the silver suit with the <laughs> green silky shirt, but yeah. do you still have those clothes? I have them. Some of them I donated to the Rock Hall in Cleveland. I have most all those. You were up there with Sly in terms of your slick dress. On the dress side, yeah. we were pretty loud. <laughs> as loud as the music, you know. Yeah. We were colorful and bright in every respect. And so it was, it was a very visual experience, you know, beside the, the audio experience. Mm -hmm. And just the presence and the sheer power of the music uh, back then. It was an amazing time. It really was. I can't remember the name of the guy who is narrating at this part of the Summer of Soul documentary, but he talks about how before he saw Sly and the Family Stone perform, uniforms were all like suits and ties and really oh, buttoned yeah. up and put together. He said, after I saw Sly and his band perform, all that was out the window. We just decided to be free. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I yeah. love that. Out I the window. Watching the Summer of Soul was the first time I saw you and the band perform. Um, it's not the first time I've heard the music, but it's the first time I'd actually seen y'all perform. Oh. I was just so blown away by how free and happy you all were. Like you just embodied the spirit of something different than what was going on at the time. Was there was a lot of deep, heavy so things happening at the time you all were, were performing and making this music. And everything about y'all was like, it's raining outside, but it's not raining in here. That's Come right. The party. Yeah. And I just, I loved that. Can you tell us just a little bit before we get into the music, what it was like to be a part of that culture and creating that kind of energy? To see the band 
especially put it in perspective that time period we were so outside the box that there was no box i mean this <laughs> was like we just kind of challenged everything but in a very good way in retrospect what was going on then i mean this is like the mid 60s all the racial things that were going on in this country and as a matter of fact you mentioned summer soul so they're editing this thing some great concert footage it's wonderful artists on it and they're about a year into it and then george floyd incidents and country all of a sudden comes to a flying halt we're back in the 60s again things that we had seemingly grown from and lifted out of but no we're just like hello we're still here you know all that the ugliness and they stopped editing and said wait a minute there's another story to be told here because the footage included a lot of vibe and scenes that were making statements about this and here we're 50 years later and these things are happening again as is our habit on this podcast, when we take a song, a poem, a story, we open it together, and then we ask, what does it say to our lives? We get to do this with the fantastic music of Sly and the Family Stone with Greg here, and get to hear from Greg firsthand about what this music said to him and to the people that first heard it. And we're going to listen to two songs, beginning with one tune that Anyone that knows Sly and the Family Stone knows this tune. This was your first number one hit. So we're going to listen to this tune. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Here we go.
what does that song stir in you right now? The lyrics, I mean, given the dynamics of the group, and especially to look at us, I mean, <laughs> we don't necessarily look like everyday people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in any way, shape, or form, the spirit of this music and of what we represented was about everyday people because that's yeah. that's what this was for. It was for it's for everybody. It made statements to challenge everything yeah. that existed. I think a lot of folks, this is like late 60s, 68, 69. You had Sly and then his sister and then his brother and yeah. then Larry Graham, black folk, and then uh, Jerry Martini and yourself, especially you being the drummer, man, a white drummer and also men and women. And it's not like the women are just background singers. Yeah. So and Cynthia Robinson, the trumpet player. Well, wait, wait, uh, slow down. You're touching on a lot of stuff here. Yeah, yeah. But since I'm the drummer, I get to talk about this. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> you know, so I got footage that you don't see on the Summer Soul because I got the whole thing. I got the poor guy that was on stage, God bless him, that was trying to keep this audience, and it was shoulder to shoulder there in Harlem at the park there. All these folks from Harlem had heard about this group. You could tell they hadn't really necessarily seen it yet, mm -hmm. uh, but they heard this, they heard that, and they heard, yeah, it was mixed racially. And so there was quite an attitude that existed there in the audience to like, you know, yeah. What do you got? Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, <laughs> like, Let's see like, me. like what the hell? Yeah, Who's, come on. And a white drummer? No, yeah, right. no, man. You, you, know, you know what, Greg? You can see some of that in the video because there's. it's just really funny because they do make a big deal out of it. It reeked of it. I mean, yeah. natural. I could say it and still feel good because, like, <laughs> all that is breaking down, you know, and their <laughs> hands are dropping. As a matter of fact, then their hands start lifting, but up. Yes. And, and the straight lips turn to curves up mm -hmm. smiling you know yeah. and you're grooving and they're into it and uh so it's really cool to see this dynamic yeah we were late and the poor guy was trying to just keep the audience cool until we got there and then when we did hit the stage you could cut it with a knife you know i mean it was thick we did have a legitimate reason actually both sly and myself had the flu and we both had fevers, I mean, considerable fevers, like 103, we're sick. Yeah. And so we were even kicking around, should we do this or not? I, you know, and if we do do it, we got to bring it. There ain't no flu excuses or nothing. You know, if we go hit the stage, we got to bring it all and some, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we decided that that's what we're going to do, and yeah. we did it. You never would have known that you all were sick. You know, music Not is a powerful all. thing, Brittany. It's a powerful thing, you know. Mm -hmm. It really is. It just steps above all those things. That's the catalyst, the energies and the powers and the spirit to lift all these issues just by looking at us, let alone, you know, what we were saying and what we brought musically and all those other things. And it was like that from day one. I remember when we first all met. We didn't even play that first night we met. We just talked. 
and just kind of like was grooving on what we're going to do. And then immediately after that, we we rehearse for a week straight, and then we start playing immediately, just Mm -hmm. clubs and stuff. You know, if we're going to get a gig, you can't just start doing new music. We were going to do covers of the day, but we were going to make them our own mm-hmm. and, you know, rearrange them and just, you know, put our thing on it. And so that's, we started out there. What do you remember that this song, not only that day in Harlem, but also wherever you took this song? And then, of course, the recordings that went out all over now the world and still are reverberating <laughs> in the world but just the power of the life in the music, which even the most incredible preacher <laughs> or politician could never have the power expression that this music has because of the, the life energy in it. And it's yeah. so good. How can you not feel and know that what you're seeing and what you're receiving, this is a really good and beautiful thing. The band, again, had just to look at it suggested a whole bunch of things and stimulated a whole bunch of emotions and questions but then it all worked together and then when we played we really had a magic together and the band was able to deliver on a very high level and then you listen to the story the lyrics yeah it just connected with it i mean just the title everyday people so you're kind of tapping on everybody's shoulder no matter who you are and say hey and then here comes a melody that's delivering part of the song on a nursery rhyme. Come on yeah. with this, you know, funky groove going on and then this look and you put all these elements together. It was like a stimulus orgy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, the, and the lyric is a child's story like there's a, a blue one a green one it reminds yeah. me i don't know like this yeah. dr seuss book that i read when i was five i can't remember what these creatures were called but some had stars on their bellies and some right. didn't it's about hey man can we accept one another as we are and, right and like celebrate the difference yeah sly used to he used to take like just a simple thought or line and he was really just clever one thing kind of inspires another thing how it's finally said it's not an accident passion emotion you could go along make a statement and say something and then say the wrong thing at one point in time and just completely negate what you just created if you're not careful so it's really a craft just get the whole thing to say that simple thing you want to say in a powerful way yeah yeah I find that challenge as a poet to not say something that completely erases everything you wrote before. It's funny, I'm working on a piece right now and I wrote the first couple of lines and I was like, oh, that's good. And then I wrote something else and I'm like, that's good too. It doesn't match, but I want them both, but you can't keep them both because you're going to lose the message. But I, I say that because I find that everything that's written is intentional. Yeah. So the line that I'm curious about is the Scooby Doo part. Where did that come from? Uh, probably for a lack of saying the next thing that worked. There was probably words there. Nah, mm-hmm. nah, nah. And maybe, well, let me try to get some. No, that don't work either. Just let me, Scooby-Dooby-Dooby. So because it. then it's kind of like the space between the notes is important, sometimes even more important than the notes you play. Yeah. That space you leave makes a bigger statement than the previous note or the one after. Mm -hmm. 
it creates what those notes do, right? And and so you're uh, from what you just said, Brittany. You, you that was that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I think that that process and that consideration for what you're trying to accomplish. You know, when you're trying to write. You referred to this earlier, Greg, talking about there's dynamics that seem to be at work in the world in terms of the present day, of course, racial issues, but other mm-hmm. other issues that are still very yeah. felt and real yeah. and mm-hmm. and where we have a lot of work still to do. What does the song say to today from your point of view? And Brittany, you can answer that too. Yeah, weigh in here, Brittany. What it makes me feel today is that we're going backwards, like we're forgetting this simple message that we're all the same. There's a lot of reasons people find for division that aren't necessary. What I love about this song that you all created, Everyday People, it's such a simple message done in such a beautiful and fun way. Um, And, you know, just I I think the first time I ever heard that song was on a commercial advertising something or other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But and I so I'd never heard the the verses before. I'd only ever heard them. Ah. So did maybe you want to go check out where this came from? No, because I was a kid. I didn't know any better. I was just like, okay. oh, that's cool. Everyday people. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And it wasn't until I heard the whole song mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, this is a whole message. I think the message is so simple that people just forget it doesn't have to be this complicated. As many years have gone by things have not progressed as far as I feel like we should have come. Back to the simple message in the song, like, hey, we're all just everyday people. Can we see each other for who we are and vibe on our humanity instead of the things that separate us? That's what has to happen at the end of the day. The song hits that in its simplest form, fundamentally, but there's a complexity to that simplicity. One of the upsides I've seen to the COVID issue, here's nature's way of pulling the rug from underneath everybody on one swipe. Mm -hmm. Hey, come on now, (laughs) take a new look at this. We all need, feel, want the same things. A slap in the face, a good one, Mm -hmm. wake up call. We got to live together. Brittany and I participated in a Nexus virtual event online with folks from the States, different European countries, friends of ours from Beijing, we're all everyday people. So all this difference, it just kind of wiped the differences out and just put it back into, we're just all human beings, you know? We're dealing with this thing, it's big, serious. A reset button, boom, you know. Right. The thing that separated is fear, right? Yeah. What I'm curious about is, do you feel like your music with Sly and the Family Stone was a challenge to that fear? Absolutely. As powerful as the music and the group and the looks and all of the challenges that we presented just by our presence, it wasn't a threatening thing at all. As different as it was, oh, you know, you look, even if you didn't understand it, you're just looking and you're cool, you know, okay. What do I feel now? You kind of like open the door for all these things to happen because it was inviting. Then you'd hear a nursery rhyme and you'd hear Scooby Dooby Dooby and you'd hear, hey, everyday people. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
listening to your music and watching you all. You yeah. could feel the heaviness, but when you all took the stage, you could feel the lift. And it's like, they are challenging all the norms. They are challenging the spirit, but they're doing it in such a beautiful way. People don't even realize that their fear is being dissipated. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's also my approach to the challenges of our society as an artist. How do I do it in a way that is non-threatening? Challenging the things so that need to be challenged. A lot of it is people's fear and misconception about other people and things in the world that art and music has a way of just like circumventing in such a beautiful way. You know, I have to assume that that would be hard for an individual to do on their own. The openness of including all these different elements had a lot to do in a free way, not in a contrived or directed way. Here, take a piece of this. Here, you take a piece of that. You take a piece of this and just bring your thing to the table and we're going to do this common thing together. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Yeah. You embodied the... The message, and I think that's one of the things I've noticed with powerful art, is when you have, whether it's a musician or a poet or a writer, and where there's an integration between what they're saying and who they deeply are, there's just a power in that integration. Yes. There's not mixed message. It's not posturing. It's not like, oh, let's do the slickest thing <laughs> for the sake of being hip. Mm -hmm. You guys were building off of soul and funk and rock traditions, but the way you integrated those was groundbreaking. And jazz. Yeah. There's some jazz mindset in there. We improvised in a big yeah. way. As much as we rehearsed, we had arrangements, all that. Yeah. Man, it, every night. We're going to listen to a tune where we hear a little more of this character. Mm -hmm. of what you're talking about, this free, open, let's go on stage and see what happens thing. Yeah. Personally, this is maybe because I just dig the baseline so much. You may already know where I'm headed. It's one of my very favorite Sly and the Family Stone tunes. But we're going to listen to an album that wasn't actually released until 2015 mm. from your performances at Live at the Fillmore East. Fillmore, yeah, yeah. In New yeah. York, October 5th, 1968. And this is the tomb. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready?
Don't hate the black, don't hate the white. If you get bitten, just hate the bite. Make sure your heart is beating right, y'all.
Yeah. <laughs> then you guys transition right into dance to the music. Dance to the music. Yeah. So, yeah, man, that's like jazz, like all these open breaks, like the horns. It happens twice that the horns like jump in on the bridge thing and the bass and the guitar are still on the other chord and they yeah. hear the horns come in and then they're right there on B1. Your drum breaks are open. Yeah. You know, not like the famous studio album version, but you yeah. hear all this openness and freedom and you're layering all this energy. And what struck you hearing that again today? Just it pressed the button of adrenaline of just fond memories of the energy in doing that. We would play in tents, as you could hear. Yeah in that performance there. I mean, that was where you could be, where you could go, pedal all the way to the metal. You know, we would always go there. Not in the slow zone, but you know what I mean? When it was time to go there, we could go there and we did. And it's just like such a high. And this just brought back some really great memories. Well, everyone's killer. Freddie Stone, man. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sly's incredible what he's doing on the keyboards and with his voice, but his brother, man, he's yeah. just as, I mean. Happy. I don't know anybody that could play rhythm guitar like he did. I'm right in between, yeah. check this out, Kyle. Larry I'm, I'm right bass. between Larry yeah. Graham one side and Freddie on the yeah. other side. What yeah. can I do but just, you know, take <laughs> me suck. there. Come don't, on now. <laughs> yeah. Don't suck. Definitely yeah. don't suck. Man. <laughs> no. No, I was never worried. I just, all I'd have to do is just coach and I'd be all right, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you were there too, bringing it. It, it was extremely expiring, let me tell you. Hey, Y'all can't see me because I had to turn my camera off, but yeah. I was jamming like that whole <laughs> song. That song makes me want to move. It makes me want to dance. It's just such a fun song. And I'm listening to your drum bass. I'm like, ah, I love it. Everything yeah. I love about music happens in that song. Brittany, are you a drummer at heart? I am, actually. I played drums when I was a little kid. There you go. All right. After that, piano, all the rhythm instruments. I just love them. Yeah. So you're feeling it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cynthia Robinson? Yeah. I had never seen a woman playing the trumpet before her. Isn't that amazing? What was it like? Yes. And just it, like listening to her licks on that trumpet. What was it like playing with Cynthia? Absolutely phenomenal. I, I miss her so much. You know, we lost Cynthia a couple of years ago. Yeah. She passed. I really miss her presence, her energy. And whatever she was playing, whether it be a solo or just a part, she was just so dynamic and expressive it just was a joy having her around and of course she's got her most famous line from dance of the oh Music yeah about, um, <laughs> all the squares go all those yeah. Yeah. but everyone's singing too like uh -huh. freddie and larry and of course rose the vocal yeah. section in this group was like yeah. you know where are you going to go after that? You know, right. I mean, I remember when I left the group. Did you have a tune that you sang, like the Beatles eventually gave Ringo something to do? Not really. I mean, you know, just like, hey, Greg, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like in the same simple song. Nothing yeah. compared to what Larry and Freddie and Sly brought on Rose. Yeah. I feel like this song, as much as any 
song I'm aware of at the current moment. This song could be an anthem for this moment. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? All yeah. over the world, folks are hurting. Generally speaking, people don't feel like things are getting better doing what we've been doing. So are you ready? I mean, what did he mean? Are you ready for what? What did that song mean to you and to the band when you first did it? And then we can talk about what it means to us now. Well, what he meant, it was the same thing as what I felt. And I think that was a lot of the things we're talking about. So here comes the group, this music, and this message, and this energy, and this spirit. We're going to bring it to you on the highest level. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to have that good of a time? You know, removing Mm -hmm. this dark stuff? Yeah. Are you ready to deal with the dark stuff so we can have that good of a time? Yeah. It's like a circle, you know? Yeah. What did it say to you, Brittany? To me, it straight up says, are you ready to dance? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's interesting because listening to the verse, you know, where he's talking about, I don't hate anyone... You know, you you know what he's trying to say in terms of can we just put all of this to the side and let's all just move. And I love oh. that because unifying and a transcendent um, thing that music does to get people to move. And when people are moving together, like on a dance floor, there's a whole lot of stuff that just doesn't seem to matter anymore. I'm wondering if that's what he was getting at. Are you ready to just put all this stuff down, like you said, and just have a good time? I grew to that song. <laughs> well, it's like, what a shortcut to such a heavy subject matter to immediately flip it aside and let's dance and have a good time. Exactly. You know, rather than all the rhetoric it would take or the heavy politics and whatever yeah. to yeah. get you to understand this and address this thing and da 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 da. Boom, one shot and you're there. Let's just live it right now. Yeah, you don't have to even talk about it. And everything that was going on exemplified that. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that musicians and artists should write policy. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, just fill all of the Senate, all of Congress, fill it all with artists and musicians Hello. and poets. <laughs> we solve every problem. Hey, Brittany, would it be a different world? Oh, absolutely. Why not? Someday, I've had those thoughts. Closing question, Greg. To me, just listening again to the band, it's like a superpower. It's like a Marvel heroes turning this love beam and this life beam on people and they're helpless to defend themselves against it. What did it feel like to be a part of that? Well, back then, you never had that sense, not in that way, not in that Mm. powerful way Mm. you just put it kind of like a fantasy way too, but it's real. That's an actual possibility. As we were doing it, you didn't have yeah. that kind of a, I mean, no, you could feel like you had something special and that kind of stuff, but yeah. nothing to the extent of where it has grown. Like we're in a different world today. <laughs> we're, let yeah. me tell you, especially on a creative sense in art. I mean, I've, 
uh, growing up here in San Francisco, it's just like, it ain't the same place. I mean, yeah. these artists can't even afford to live here anymore, let alone right. all the creative things that were going on during that. And I call it, quote unquote, the musical renaissance of the late yeah. 60s and early 70s. Right. It's amazing. All these musics, this yeah. is us. So I'm talking about all the group, all that stuff that came out of San Francisco, Santana, Grateful Dead, oh. all the different things. Yeah. It's just like, it was amazing in other parts of the world too. The Beatles and something that you'll talk about a hundred years yeah. from now. We're all so yeah. blessed. It was just really a special time and very powerful right. music. This is a deep, deep convergence. Here we are in 2022, and I feel like the message of what you were saying is what we need to hear again mm -hmm. today. Do you feel that, Brittany? I would take it a step further and say, we don't just need to hear it. We need to feel it. We need to embody it. There's a lack of embodiment of that message that's right. today. And yeah. I feel like that's what we're missing. It means to create in a way that moves the soul for the purpose of uniting people to get past the things that divide us. I think division is such a marketable thing nowadays, which is probably why people don't want to push past it. But yeah. I'd love to see a resurgence of the embodiment of what you all created, which was freedom, joy, and definitely a deep sense of unity and connection. Well put, Brittany. Thank you, Greg, for joining us. It's a mm -hmm. real privilege to get to open these songs with you. You put your soul on the line behind those drums, man. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for bringing me back there again. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you, Brittany. Greg, it's so great to meet you. Hey, all right. Thank you both for having thank me. You, yes. Thank you so much. Yes, I, I enjoyed you, it. Dear friends, you can listen to the music of Sly and the Family Stone on your preferred music streaming platform. Be sure not to miss their performance on the documentary film Summer of Soul. You can find other life-opening articles and news about future Nexus virtual events on our website at nexusonline.org. Peace!
Thank you.